Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. Hi, and welcome to Connecting a Better World, where we spend time meeting some of the most incredible human beings who make this world a better place. We will learn how each individual took their ideas, mission, and purpose to create and serve others in business and organizations that surround social good, social entrepreneurship, and social impact, and find out how we, together, can further connect others to help. I am your host, Dr. Natalie Phillips. Rich Cruz is an award-winning photographer living near San Diego, California. He has been photographing sports since high school and currently shoots triathlon and running events. His work has been featured in Sports Illustrated, People Magazine, and Runner's World. He is deeply involved with Challenge Athletes Foundation and helping the homeless. Rich connected with Oprah Winfrey through a photograph he tweeted to her in December 2011. She loved the photo so much, she retweeted it to her then 10 million followers. And six months later, Oprah followed her Cruiseman on Twitter, and they met in person in 2012 for the first time. Since then, along with multiple interactions with Oprah and her work, Rich's life dramatically changed, and he is determined to make a difference in the world through his photography and dedication to helping others. I am super excited to introduce my friend, Rich Cruz. And it's so funny how we met. I want to start with how we met because I think it's actually kind of funny because this is the first time I'm talking to you sort of in person. I know it's a podcast, so not face-to-face, not technically in person, but I've never even heard your voice before. And so I want, <laughs> I to, <laughs> I want to start with how we met. And I was thinking about it in... We were both watching this show together on the Oprah Winfrey Network called Operation Change, and we would show up every week to watch it and live tweet it. And we became connected that way to not only the characters and would tweet alongside them because they happened to be watching live as well, but I feel like we got connected to each other just by watching a show and live tweeting it. And ever since then, I have followed you and have been so impressed not only by the beauty that you see in some of the photography that you do, but the heart you have to give back. And so thank you so much for being on this show with me. With social media, I kind of want you to tell me a little bit more about your history of tweeting and getting connected to people. Let's kind of start there because that's kind of how I met you. Sure. It's been a wonderful experience, but also a learning experience. And with anything, there can be good and bad. But for myself, the benefits far outweigh any of the negatives. I'm trying to think why I got involved with Twitter, but it was in 2009. I know this because I got that little message. So it's been 10 years. That's almost impossible to believe. As a photographer, I've always wanted to share my experiences. I have the opportunity to go to a lot of different sporting events, meet different people. And even Facebook was one of those things where I sort of stayed away from it because I keep in touch with all the people I want to keep in touch with. Why would I want to get involved in this? But then I realized, oh, you can share. And when you share, people who follow you or are your friends on Facebook, for instance, they share and you are introduced to people that they know that you might not have met otherwise. And in the case of Twitter, it's a direct line to the people that you mention. In most cases, they have the opportunity to see. So if you, for instance, mention somebody who's in a movie that you like, like let's say The Rock, and he or his people see it and bring it to his attention, and they might go, oh, oh, thanks. And suddenly you have some interface. And there's no other way to reach out to people like that and get a direct response. And it's instantaneous. That's what I love most about Twitter. As you mentioned, we found a show that we had something in common and connected that way. And to be honest, it was such a great show because it spoke so deeply to what I believe, which is giving back and helping others. And I was introduced to Starkey Hearing and their foundation through the show. 
And I've actually become Twitter friends and Facebook friends with Bill and Tanny Austin, who are basically the big people involved in the foundation and are such great folks. And they've actually also have made donations to some of my fundraising efforts. So, and I got invited to go on one of their (gasps) um, expeditions at one point, but I was caregiving for my dad at the time, so I couldn't go. But eventually I hope to be able to connect with them again and be involved because they do such great work. If those of you who don't know, the Starkey Foundation brings hearing to all points of the world to folks that would never have access to hearing aids and seeing people who are grown adults who have never heard a thing in their lives blows my mind. Their work just is fantastic. And that's just one group of people. And uh, actually being able to affect change, raise money for different charities and help people connect people. My biggest joy is when I've helped a number of people connect with people that I know and affect change. And that's a big deal. You never know who the people you follow are connected to until somebody else sees something that their friend retweeted of yours and they respond and you're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And that's what I like. Twitter in particular, because it's immediate and it's specific and you can include a link to something much bigger or longer, you can really say a lot in a small space. You're speaking my language a million percent because when I first started out on social media, it was the same thing. I was like, I don't need anybody to know my business all the time. I thought it was kind of ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I kept away from Facebook and then I sort of accepted Facebook and started to do it a little bit here and there. And then it wasn't until for me, like I swear by Twitter for the connections. And it's because with all the other social media, you kind of have to either friend somebody or allow it. And with Twitter, I mean, as long as your account is open, I feel like it's such an easy way to connect to people. It doesn't have to be super personal, but I feel like there is a vast amount of people out there that you can connect to on Twitter that you would have not been able to connect to. And like you said, in very short thoughts, which aren't drawn out long types of posts or anything like that. And it's a lot easier to me to connect to the people that you would have never thought that you would have been able to connect to. And so I absolutely love Twitter. I love that that's how we got connected initially. And we had talked a little bit earlier, there are some good things and bad things of connecting to people through social media. Share with me a little bit about those things. I mean, obviously, please share with my listeners the good things about Twitter. And I know you've got some good stories, but then also the bad things too. Part of my story about Twitter is that it's my link to the outside world. Back in 2010, my income level dropped significantly and I was no longer able to fan the apartment that I was paying $1,500 a month for. And at the same time, my father's health was beginning to diminish. And it was suggested by my siblings that I move in with my dad and sort of help him out. And begrudgingly at first, I don't really have much of a choice. So I moved in and moved away from everybody that I knew. It wasn't that far away, but it was far enough that I wasn't seeing the people that I used to see. And it was just myself, my dad, and his kitty cat. And so Twitter was my window to the world. And basically what happened was I used to go down to the beach just to break away and do some photos and post some on the internet or whatnot on Twitter and Facebook. And one day there was a lady with her baby on the beach. I saw it from afar and she was swinging the baby and the sun was behind her and it was just a beautiful silhouette. And I went up to her and asked if I could take her photo and she said, sure. So I take the photo and I get back and there was a little coffee shop nearby where I would start up my computer and post photos. And I had just posted this photo of the lady to Twitter and I saw Oprah Winfrey had tweeted and I thought, oh, And I had never tweeted to her before. I thought, oh, so I tweeted to her. I go, Oprah, I took this picture of this lady with this baby on the beach. I thought you might like it. And I sent it off. No expectations, nothing, you know, just throwing it in the street. And next thing I know, she responds and she's like, OMG, that's gorge. Where did you take this? And I'm like, is this really (laughs) Oprah? No, (laughs) impossible. 
she has 10 million people following her and they're all screaming at her every time she tweets. Why would she? Well, you know, I see it came from an iPad, which was her favorite thing that particular year. And I responded back and I said, oh, I took this in Oceanside and I included a link to the photos I just posted on Facebook. And she comes back and she says, oh, I like the shot of the little boy on the bike. But you're right. This one's the money shot. And then she retweeted the photo. Wow. And my phone and my computer at home were all hooked up to make a sound anytime somebody, you know, <laughs> liked or retweeted. And it was ringing like a cash register. Wow. And at that point, it made me cry because I'm thinking, wow, one of the most influential women in the world saw my photo, liked it well enough to share with her friends. And it deeply affected me because my dad used to say, oh, you're just wasting your time. I don't know why you go down there. And when I showed him that, the next day he's like, are you going to the beach? <laughs> <laughs> and I knew at the time that I don't know what this means, but I know things will be different for me somehow. And I'll try and read his digest, but I would always mention her when I would post the photos after that because she didn't follow me. She just saw the tweet. So whenever she would tweet, I would mention her. And she'd often like and reply. And and I just thought, this is wild. My friends are like, why is she talking to you? And I'm like, I don't know, but I ain't going to try and mess it up. Right. And years later, two years ago, I found out, let me mention that she did follow me six months after that and blew my mind. I was the 50th person she followed next to the president and Lady Gaga wow. and all these other people. I was like, I still don't know exactly why she followed me, but I am grateful. At one point, I realized that out of all of her tweets, half a percent, in other words, one out of 200 of her tweets were to me. So years later at her birthday party, she spoke to a group of the own ambassadors, which were people which helped her get her foothold using Twitter and helping her when she started her network, which I was honored to be a part of. But she spoke directly to what it meant to her. And she told us that she was going through a very dark period at the time. And then she said, people like you, people who I didn't even know, were there supporting me. And then sort of off the cuff, and she says, cruise photos. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. So she was not in the best of places wow. when I was sending her these bits of joy. I didn't want anything. I never asked for anything. I thought she might like it. And for her, I guess that was somewhat refreshing. Somebody just trying to bring a smile to her face or share something beautiful with her. And later on, she ended up buying one of my photographs to oh, put wow. in her home in Maui, she said. That's awesome. So when people say social networking is a waste of time and this and that, it's like there is no way in heck I would ever have any connection at all to Oprah. It's not like we're besties. I don't have her phone number. But we do have a connection directly through Twitter because she follows me. And she does at times pop in and send a personal note to me that's extremely meaningful. Sometimes she'll just say things like, this too shall pass. Or when I was in Oregon and I was tweeting about the fires that were happening at that time, she checked in. She's like, are you okay? I'm fine, thanks. But that's the wonderful part. And because she follows me, people who might not otherwise follow me have connected with me as well, almost like an endorsement in a mm -hmm. small way. Mm -hmm. Oh, if she follows them, well, maybe I should. But with that comes people who want to want a part of that. They want to get to her. Right. And sometimes they do right. that, try to do that through people that she follows. And it's understandable. In fact, I advise people. It's like, if you really want to have both sides of the conversation, so sometimes it's best to follow those people that she follows so you can see both sides of the conversation and join in, maybe tag along. And you never know. That's how a good portion of people who she now follows became part of her Twitter circle. Like there was one person named Lanell, and he started talking to me and we would share on Super Soul Sunday and whatnot. And we both ended up going to the same airing of life class at Harpo. And she had invited him because he said he was going to be there and I was going to be there. And she had seen that we were friends, I suppose. And she's like, how do I know you? Do I follow? And no, you don't follow me. But because of the tweets, 
that I was talking to him, she saw them too. Yeah, absolutely. So she ended up following him and they became good friends as well. So I'm very conscious of who I speak with and who I retweet because I need to vet them because on occasion there are those people that are there for less than honorable reasons, more for selfish reasons. And that's where haters and people come in. Basically, I'll just share with you, I had helped put together a birthday greeting for Ms. Winfrey. And at some point, somebody who thought they deserved to be in this video greeting, who I had been friends with for quite a while, felt slighted. Why wasn't I invited? And to be honest, it's like, she's never met you. This is a video of people who she's met. And I said, I'm really sorry. And try and make it up to you somehow. And they took that extremely the wrong way. Don't try and placate me. But they went extreme. They went off the deep end. Oh, you're a fake person. You're a bad person. And went on Twitter trying to defame me. And I was like, what? So I had to block them on all fronts. And for a number of years, they had my email address as well. And I was like, wow, I can't let this happen again. Because you just never know. You think you know somebody, but Mm -hmm. until they expose themselves for who they are, you can't make yourself too vulnerable. So now I've got almost a hand up. You're not invited into my inner circle until I'm deeply certain of who you are and what your intentions are. And that's really what it comes down to is what are your intentions? Why are you talking? We talked about such good things about networking and getting to know people and how it's amazing with this technology. But it's exactly like what you said, too. You do have to be careful. I think a lot of people, because you have this easier access to a great amount of people like we had talked about, and I teach about social media, too, in my business. And you have to remember that connections in person are very similar to connections online as well. And you can't be in their face. The way that you approached what you did, you had no idea and it just happened to work. And I have to admit, there were certain connections that I've made that happened the same way. You're like, whoa, how come that person's following me? Okay. But you can't get head over heels about it because that person that might be following you, that might be famous or whatever it is, or well-known, they're a person as well. And so you've got to remember that with connections too, is that if you were to meet that person face-to-face, you wouldn't be acting like how you're acting or some people find a safety of saying mean things behind an email or behind a tweet or because they're behind a computer screen as well. So it does go both ways. But my point is connections are the same, whether they're in person or through technology, because you Mm -hmm. have to have that human thought process that you can do things and you can't do things. And it's the same thing. Some people take a simple connection. Essentially, if I follow you, I realize that I'm giving you the opportunity to send me a private message. It doesn't mean we're best friends. It doesn't entitle you to anything. And most people understand that, especially if a celebrity follows me, I'm not direct messaging them ever unless it's something extremely important and private. It's just like having someone over to your house. It doesn't mean that you can stay. But what it does mean is if you become critical of myself or things that I'm interested in, then I'm going to ask you to leave. That's a great point. Yeah, it's a privilege to know you. It's a privilege to know me. It's a privilege to know anybody. And you don't go into their world. And the one thing that really is troubling to me is that sometimes I'll make a post And it's just a photo or whatever. And then somehow the person tries to make a post about themselves. Mm. And it's like, that's not the way it's supposed to work. Or they take the post and make it their own. No, it's about networking. So if you post something, I'm not just going to grab the link and then act like I came up with this. I would usually try and attribute it to you. It's okay. But if I find people are constantly just taking my content or Mm -hmm. things that I have posted and then just posting it as their own, that's not sharing that's almost stealing. Right. Oh yeah. It's social media etiquette. And it's the same thing if you're sitting in a meeting together. Right. If you're sitting in a meeting together and somebody else had an idea, you wouldn't be able to grab that idea and say, okay, so I came up with this great idea. It's the same thing. So the best advice I give to people or can give to people in social networking, if they want to get noticed by somebody whom they admire, 
is don't ask them to retweet you or wish you a yes. happy birthday. Yes. Find some specific project or information or something that's important to them at the time and help them with that. Mm-hmm. Promote them or comment or make sure it's an honest comment, but just say, I really loved you in that movie, that particular character, this particular line meant something to me. It really means something to me when somebody says, I really love this photo, or it makes me want to visit Oceanside, or makes me want to do this triathlon, or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. or donate to Challenge Athletes Foundation, or any of these other things that I try and do. But it's a tool, and it's a wonderful tool, but you can't broadcast. If I compliment you, I don't expect you to say thank you or to retweet something that I tweeted. But if you want me to continue to interface with you, you need to at least acknowledge with a like or a retweet or a thank you. Because just like big businesses, I have a number of products that I like and I'll talk about it for free. I'm going to give you free advertising. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say, I just had the best burger from the Habit Grill today. And if they don't even say anything like, oh, we're so glad to have you. Thank you for letting us know. Then I'm not going to tweet about them anymore. Because mm-hmm. if someone says something nice, you say thank you. Right. If, if someone has an issue with something I've said or done, if it's to me legitimate, you're not just trying to bait me and get in an argument with me, uh, then I will respond. Especially if it's unintentionally hurtful, I will definitely say, oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. I had no idea. As Oprah says, people want to be seen and they want to be heard. They want to know that they matter. That's a big thing for me. It's like if someone compliments me, I say thank you. And I mean it because every like, every thank you, every comment, especially about my work, if it's positive, it means more, but it's like a hug or a handshake or a thank you note. It's important to be grateful and to make people know that you see them. There are a few people still that I've had to mute over time because I didn't want to unfollow or block, but when they become too demanding upon me, or when people begin to have expectations, then it's a time to sort of move away from Mm -hmm. them. It's like, look, I don't dislike you. I just cannot be a slave to whatever it is your important project is. And it's okay to disconnect. It totally is. Yeah. And I'm not the guy that's going to block people unless it becomes a problem. But that's a wonderful tool to have. You know, it's like we were saying before, Mm -hmm. it's a privilege to know you. And if I abuse that privilege, then I'm entitled to take it away. Exactly. Here's something you might not know. NOCO FM is also a podcast network producing one-of-a-kind programming like the show you're enjoying right now. We have talk shows, original comedy, music shows curated by real people, and a lot more. So if you like what you're hearing, make NOCO FM a part of your day and tell your friends. Remember, that's www.noco.fm. One of the things that I've noticed about you as well, just in being able to follow you and getting to know a little bit more about you too, is that you also help other organizations, whether it's the Challenge Athletes Foundation, or I believe you started your own sort of blankets for the homeless. And I saw it on social media. You do a great job. And so tell me more about why you have such a passion to give back and where do you think it comes from? That's an interesting thing. Most of it comes from my mom. My mom was raised by her grandmother when she was in England. She never knew her father. Her mother was a drunk. And so her grandmother raised her. So my mom didn't get a lot of love. In fact, she shares with me the fact that she was spanked when she fell down and scraped her knee. Like, oh, what did you do that for, you dummy or whatever? And so she didn't get a lot of love or affection. And she came to America as a war bride, and the person she married turned out to be not such a good person. So she ended up moving from Tennessee to L.A. with the equivalent of like $100 in today's money. And she didn't know a soul. But it was through the kindness of strangers that she 
was able to flourish. She tells a story when she was a teenager in Britain and she had missed the bus. She had gone to one of the military dances that they would have for visiting U.S. soldiers and she'd taken the bus and she missed her bus and it was cold out and she had no way to get home. So she just curled up on the bus bench waiting for the bus in the morning. And uh, when she woke up, a serviceman had laid his overcoat, his peacoat on top of her to keep her warm. And it affected her because it's like someone she didn't even know did something extremely kind to her. And that was the way she led her life. So as I've gotten older and I knew the person that Challenge Athletes was uh, named for, created for, his name was Jim McLaren. He was a amputee athlete who had competed in Ironman. And Jim was at an event that I was at, but I was unaware of what happened to him. He was hit by a car on the bicycle and he was already an amputee athlete. He became a quadriplegic and he was told he'd never walk again. And Jim was a very handsome man. He always used to say things happen for a reason and he was never resentful about the cards he'd been dealt. And so Jim did not want to sue the race organizers because he loved triathlon so much. And so a bunch of his friends who he made over the years put together a triathlon to raise money for him to buy a special vehicle and to help with his medical costs. And over time, these triathlons continued and Jim found other ways to support himself. And so the organization was created to help other people who needed prosthetics and racing wheelchairs and things because it's not covered by insurance. So I think last year, Challenge Athletes gave away over a thousand grants. And my mom used to say good comes from bad. And this was very much the case. You know, Challenge Athletes was created as a response to something bad that had happened. But the legacy of Jim McLaren and Bob Babbitt and all the people involved in Challenge Athletes has grown exponentially. And for me, the money I raise might not buy a complete prosthetic for somebody, but it helps. You know, and I'm passionate about it. So I do photography for them. I was just working for them yesterday as well. Oh, so, I was going to say, were um, you there doing photography? Because didn't you do triathlons as well? Yeah, I was a triathlete for about four or five years, but I became involved doing the photography after I realized I'm an age grouper. I was already doing sports photography. I'd been shooting cycling. And triathlon is such an exciting sport. You know, there's all three going on there. And so... I was photographing at that time and at that event where Jim had been injured. And I had met him a couple of years before at Ironman. I was already photographing triathlon. So I had a direct connection. He knew who I was. And the most interesting story I have about Jim McLaren was the year before at Ironman, he was competing. And the next year, even though it was extremely difficult for him to get out there, he did fly out to be part of the race. And I'm photographing the swim start on the pier and I see Jim, his hands weren't functioning hundred percent. And it was sort of awkward when I saw him in the chair, because it's like, what do you say? What do you do? You don't right. say, I'm sorry, that just doesn't right. work, you know, and I'm trying to be positive. And so the sun was just coming up over the volcano. And I looked at him and I said, wow, your eyes are really blue. And they were. I was just looking for something nice to say. And I said, it's really great to see you. And I moved on, you know, I had to go work. So I wished him well, gave him a hug and off I went. And five years later, after he'd won the ESPY and Oprah had given him his ESPY, I saw him again at a Challenge Athletes triathlon, the one that I have in San Diego. And he was there and he says, you know, Rich? And I said, yeah. And he says, remember that time on the pier? And I said, yeah. He says, you inspired me. And I said, what do you mean? And he says, remember you told me how blue my eyes were? I said, yeah. And he says, well, I was feeling really bad for myself that day. And you looked for something good in me. And it shook me out of my funk that morning. And I wanted to say thank you. Like, wow, really? And it just sort of blew my mind because we never know when we are affecting people. Yeah. You know, it's just this, a compliment looking for something good. So wow, what a great that, uh, story. Yeah. So we never know when we're affecting people. I've had people come up to me all the time and say, remember this, that? Really? 
And the one thing I've learned over time, as a photographer, people will come to me and they want to show me their work. I don't ever want to kill someone's dream by my opinions or my impressions. It's like, if this is your passion, honestly, it doesn't matter what I think. Like, if you show me 10 photos and I only like one, I'm going to focus on the one I like and I'm going to tell you why I like it. And I'm going to encourage you to do more work like that. I'm not going to point out all the flaws unless you ask me specifically, this is my favorite photo. Why don't you like it? I would say, well, to be honest, it's maybe out of focus or it's not cropped properly. I don't like the color, but you know, I'm not here to poop on people's dreams. Mm -hmm. That's not my deal. There's plenty of people out there that'll do that for you. But if someone comes to me and looks for encouragement or advice, I'm going to try and help them. And there's so many people out there. It's really easy to be critical, but not helpful. Just tell people what you don't like. It's sort of like when you go out to dinner, if you go to fast food and you want a hamburger with nothing on it, are you going to say, I want a hamburger, no pickles, no ketchup, no lettuce, no mayonnaise, no this? Are you just going to say, I'd like a hamburger plant? Speak directly. Don't tell everybody things you don't like. Tell people what you do like. (laughs) That's a great point. Tell my listeners a little bit more about the blanket program I believe you've created and have a fundraiser for. That came about very organically. I was watching TV here at my dad's house. It was getting very cold in San Diego. And the person in charge of Alpha Project in downtown San Diego was like, we only have 300 beds here and there are people sleeping on the streets and we don't have enough blankets. We need blankets. And I was like, oh. And I looked around the house and asked my dad. I had eight blankets and I drove them down there. And I could see there was a long line of people who weren't going to get in and have a bed. And I saw people sleeping under the freeways and along the streets. And I was like, this is awful. And it was like 30 degrees at night in the wintertime. And I was like, in San Diego, really? Yeah, it does. In January and some of those months. And there's no shelter. So they're just literally sleeping on the street, maybe a tarp over them or something. And I thought, wow, I'm just one person. What can I do? And I didn't know. And I thought, well, I'm going to go on Facebook and I'm just going to tell people. I go, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. It's probably best if I just go buy new blankets. And I found blankets for $10 at a place called Anna's Linens. And I said, here's the blankets. I'm going to go and buy blankets. If you want to help, here's my PayPal. Send me money by PayPal. And so I felt compelled to make sure that they knew. So I would document it as I would Mm -hmm. bring the blankets down. So they knew, hey, I'm doing what I'm saying. I'm not playing upon you. And so within five days, I'd raised $500. And so that allowed me to take 50 brand new blankets down there. And it just sort of snowballed. And then I tweeted at Anna's Linen. Sadly, they've gone out of business now. And and they said, oh, you know what? We want to help we're going to sell you those blankets for five bucks a piece. So they became a partner. And for three or four years, they would make that exception to me and sell me their $10 blankets for $5. So if you give me $10, suddenly you're buying two blankets. Right. And they were nice blankets. I would never give anybody anything that's garbage. Well, and you posted about it. You showed what it was. You showed where you were getting it from. I mean, it was actually so much fun because... For people who didn't know or wouldn't take that step to do that or find that need, it was easy for people to just send you the money and you were going to do it. And you made it very easy for people to join in. Yeah. And so what I did find as well is that there are a lot of people out there who want to help. They just don't know how or they don't have the time. And what began to surprise me was... Once people could see that my intentions were pure and the money was going directly to buy blankets, meaning it wasn't going to an organization and it goes to a machine and $4 out of every 10 ends up going to the cause. No, these are, I'm literally going and buying the blankets and taking them there mm-hmm. and taking them to the people. So I began to get larger donations, like 500 bucks. And I'm just like, wow, if we're doing $5 blankets, that's a hundred blankets. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of people. And so, At one point, one year, I was using GoFundMe, and they actually had some sort of special project going on where they would support different fundraisers, and I received one of their $1,000 donations from GoFundMe. I think I raised $8,000 that particular year, and over 1,200 people got blankets that particular year, and 
the homeless population in San Diego is about 10 to 15,000. So if it was 10,000, more than one tenth, I was able to get yeah. a blanket to. Yeah. Blew my mind. You know, it's like, wow. And I'm just one dude. I'm yeah. just a dude. That's all I ever say is, I'm just a guy. <laughs> I saw a need and it doesn't take that much time or effort. It's worth it to me to do this because I see when yeah. I go down there how grateful these people are and what a difference it makes. And sometimes yeah. I'll see the blankets oh, if I'm wow. happy that's to awesome. town and go, oh, that's where the blankets are. <laughs> you know? And they're grateful. And sometimes just somebody giving you something warm and fuzzy on a cold night mm-hmm. is enough. What have you learned about yourself in this process of giving back? Would you ever feel like you want to start a foundation or are you just happy to join in efforts and take on projects as you see them? To be honest, if I was more financially stable in my work or if I didn't have to make a living, I do know people that have foundations that they're able to give themselves an income. Mine would never be to profit from it other than just take a small amount. If this is what I was doing full time, it's like, well, I'm entitled to something. My time is worth something. I would never, it does just distress me to see such a large portion of some of these charities going to the administration side of it. But sometimes that's the only way to get the work done is to hire people and challenge athletes foundation. I think it's an incredible amount. Over 75% of all the monies they raise goes directly to grants and helping people. They have to do a lot of fundraising and all that. It might be an even higher number than that. But for me to do a foundation, it would be, you know, I was never homeless, but I was close to being homeless. I've had no money and I had a place to live, but I had no money. And so I would buy when McDonald's had 29 cent burgers, I would freeze them and eat them for a week. So I know what it's like to be hungry. And many of us are just a couple paychecks away from homelessness. and. Not all homeless people are drug addicts or drunks or crazy. They're just homeless. They don't have a home. And I think if you begin to look at anyone who is in that situation as a person and that they have a story and their story is worthy of being told. And I think there was a quote that I love, which is not just about things like homelessness and whatever, but it's like when you see people misbehaving or treating others poorly, we oftentimes say, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? What are you, nuts? Are you this or that? And that's not a compassionate way to approach people. If you come to them and say, what happened to you? Then that elicits a response that's not going to be defensive. They want to tell their story. They want to share. But if you're constantly attacking them for the situation that they found themselves in, they're never going to be able to move past it. So it's about compassion and it's about intentions. I find a lot of people whose intentions are less than honorable or they have split intentions. My intention in life, this is if you ever do the Deepak Chopra meditations, a couple of days ago they had one It was specifically, what are your intentions? Set your intentions and the rest of your life will follow. My intentions are to live a happy, comfortable life, bring people joy, and do what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, use my talents, use my gifts. And it's not about hurting other people, whereas some people, they literally are what I call scorched earth, where they take what they want for themselves, which satisfies their needs, and they leave nothing behind. It's all about them satisfying themselves and they don't have compassion for others. They really don't seek to bring others joy. It's to bring themselves joy. And there's all kinds of people in this world, but those aren't the kind of people that belong in my life. You're the sum of the five people you have the most contact with. And that has to shift sometimes. You know, Mm -hmm. some people it's like, oh, okay, you kind of moved on and that's fine. But You don't belong in my circle anymore. And Marianne Williamson, she said something to Oprah once, which made me smile, except I'll sort of paraphrase because I made it my own. Those people who become a detriment to you in your life, they're no longer supportive or kind to you. 
you cannot hold resentment towards them. And the saying was that you just have to bless them. Sort of like an Ariana Grande, thank you, next. Mm. Like, thank you for this experience. Be blessed. Go on. You're not in my life anymore. Right. You know, I don't wish you ill. That song has been my mantra for the last year because everything that happens to us happens to us for a reason, good or bad. It's mm-hmm. directing us in the place we're supposed to go. We can be upset or angry that people have treated us a certain way or pushed mm-hmm. us away from something that we really wanted, but maybe it's not supposed to be right now. Maybe there's something else you have to learn. And so if you stop being resentful or sad or angry about what happened, you have to look for the lessons. And so I'm constantly reevaluating. It's like, why did this happen? And not to assess blame, but just to understand. Things happen for a reason. And I totally agree, you know, because everybody processes differently, but you've got to be able to move on. And I totally agree with what you're saying as far as Things all happen, whether it's good or bad. And that's what makes our journey. But you can't stay in that one spot. And so blessing people, it's hard because when you say you have to bless people, immediately people might think, oh my gosh, like there's no way that I would do anything positive for that person. That's not what you're saying. You're basically saying, I'm done. I'm moving on and being okay with that. You cannot hold on to any ill will towards that person, even if they have done damage to you. Mm. I've experienced that. And it's like people whom I am close to that they've mortally wounded me emotionally. And if I hold on to that resentment, I won't be able to function. So I have to basically say, I wish you no ill and I bless you. (laughs) A friend of mine said she had a family member who had done something unthinkable And she said, I hope you win the lottery and you move away. So it's sort of like, go ahead and have the money, but just be out of my life. So it's like, if you kind of look at it in that way, it's like, honestly, go have a great life. Right. But don't have it around me. Right. Go. Right. Or come back when you're having a great life and you want to be part of my life. I think that the simpler way, because there are people that have been close to me that no longer are for some of the reasons we've talked about. Some of it was because of wrongdoing. And I could be the person to point out the wrongdoing and be responsible for that person for getting in trouble or whatnot. But I really have to just believe in karma. Because oftentimes when you point out bad things other people have done, it comes back and bites you in the rear end and you become the bad person. Uh, Even though you're not responsible for the bad things that they did, So essentially, I have to allow karma to take care of that. That's been a mantra lately as well. It's like I basically say, karma takes care of itself. Just enjoy yourself. Go enjoy your life. If you worry about all the people that have done bad things to you or trying to seek revenge or wishing ill upon them, well, that energy comes out of you and it's not productive. So if you can... Just say, you know what? I literally like don't want the person to get hit by a bus or go to jail right. or whatever. But you know, whatever negative energy they've put out in the world, that will come back to them. And it's not your job to make certain that happens. Karma takes care of that. That's what that karma is about. I misunderstood karma because I seem to think it was about reciprocation. You do nice things and nice things happen to you. For example, like I do the blanket things, okay? And I had bought some groceries and was coming back to look after my dad. And I realized I didn't have my wallet. And around this market, there are a lot of homeless people. In fact, they have an issue with homeless people. And I looked in the shopping cart. I looked around the parking lot. I walked in and talked to the cashier. And she's like, nope, I didn't see it. And she says, you can talk to the manager. And I talked to the manager. And he's like, yes, somebody just turned in a wallet. My thought was it was found in the parking lot and it was probably found by a homeless person. And there was $300 in the wallet and it was still there. Oh, wow. You talk about karma and I used up all my karma. So I absolutely went and raised more money for blankets after that. But I was (laughs) like, we just never know where karma is going to find you. One time I was covering an event in the Pacific on an island and I was put up in a hotel, but I had no money. I had absolutely no money. Whatever the organizer was 
giving for food or whatever, that was going to be my food. And I was bummed because I was in the Pacific. In the middle of the lobby, there's nobody else around. I see a little wad of money. And I'm like, huh. And I know, like, if you find money, basically, you don't turn it in because it will never get to whoever it was. It just gets pocketed by whoever it was. So it's like, I found it and I go, oh, I don't know what it is. And I didn't see anybody wandering around like, oh my God. So I put it in my pocket and I go up to my room and I unroll the little wad of bills and it's two $100 bills. Now I can have food. Now I can enjoy myself. And I bless the person. I said, thank you to whoever it was. And in turn, if I lose money, which I do invariably, mm -hmm. I don't worry about it because I think maybe somebody else needed it more yeah. than I do. That person who finds it, maybe they needed it more than me. Like I can always get 20 more dollars. And so it's like, that's kind of how I see karma. You know, my connection to Oprah came at a time where I was depressed and not sure what direction I should be going. And suddenly it's like, somebody likes my scenic photography and yeah. it's like, oh. And it's Maybe beautiful I too. I mean, I hope my listeners will go follow what you're doing in photography <laughs> and some of the other obviously great things that we had talked about as well, just so that our listeners know your blanket fundraising is always around Christmas. So if you follow Rich, you'll see what he does and you'll be able to contribute. But yeah, your photography is incredible. I dropped little notes here and there to you because there's so many great things that you see and I love your visual perspectives and just the beauty that you see. So one last thing that I do want to ask you is what might be one piece of advice that you can share with our listeners on making the world a better place? You may be just one person, but sometimes that's all it takes. And if you see a need, act upon it. Like I said, with this blanket fundraiser, you know, the blankets go to Alpha Project, who serves the homeless, but they had a specific need. And I was like, I'm just one person. I gave them all the blankets in my house. What else can I do? Sometimes things like that work, fundraising for blankets. Other people go, I ain't giving you my money. I don't know what you're going to do with it. You're going to go buy yourself a Christmas gift or whatever. Right. Like, but if you're honest with your intentions, and even if it's just, um, and you have to give without expectation. Mm -hmm. It's such an important thing for people to understand because oftentimes, and even expecting a thank you, sometimes that can be really distressing if you help somebody and they don't say thank you because the impression you give if you're receiving something and you don't say thank you is that you feel that you're entitled to it. Right. Of course you're supposed to do this for me. I'm me. Well, as the, as the giver, uh, that sends a message that you feel entitled, which makes me less likely to want to help. However, you can't let that discourage you from helping others. You know, mm -hmm. you may not want to help that person anymore, or you can't put limitations. Like if there's somebody who's homeless, I'm just using the homeless as an example. And people who say, I won't give money to the homeless because they're just going to use it to buy alcohol or drugs or whatever it is. Yeah, that's possible. Or they might go and buy food. Right, right. Um, and even if they use it to buy drugs or alcohol, that may mean that they're not going to resort to crime to get that fix for the night. Point. So, and the thing is, like, if your heart isn't in it, if you can't give without expectation, then don't give at all. And I'm serious because you'll become bitter and angry and resentful. And it's like, this is not what giving is about. And that's where karma comes back to you. So, karma and giving are attached and whatever you give will come back to you. Like I said, I've had given someone the last $20 in my wallet and I'm not worried. Well, one, I know I can get 20 more dollars, but two, it'll happen. It'll come back to you. Yeah. So believe in the goodness of people. There's so many good people out there. And, you know, when my father passed, I didn't have a lot of support from people that I was hoping to get support from, but angels, people who I hardly knew neighbor invited me to dinner when I was looking to see about purchasing the home so I didn't have to move. No bank would loan money to me, but a friend did. And I was like, wow, really? That's I amazing. didn't expect that. You know, the kindness of strangers is something that has been a thread throughout my life. And I just try and repay it whenever I can. Keep that circle. It's a circle. On social networking, if you just broadcast, well, 
It's one-sided. It's a one-sided conversation. Respond and bring people into your circle. Yeah, And it goes back to the very first thing we talked about too. Absolutely. I mean, it's whether you're giving back or you're still sharing and connecting and it comes full circle. And it's gratitude as well. It's like, just be grateful for everything, even the bad, because it's pointing you someplace you're supposed to go. I absolutely agree. Well, thank you so much for um, spending this time with me. And it was great to be able to just talk a little bit more with you. You know, you're such a special person and I have learned so much from you today and just your perspectives. You know, a lot of the things that we might be taking negatively, I love your perspective on how you put your spin on it and it comes out in how important compassion and authenticity and connection is to you. So thank you so much for being able to share that with me and then also with my listeners today. Thank you for taking the time. I am passionate about the stuff that I do. So, oh, absolutely. Um, you know, do follow me on Twitter, Instagram. Usually, what I say is stalk me. I'll stalk you back, but please <laughs> don't stalk, stalk. That's <laughs> not good. I do say hi. I am approachable. And if you like something, please do so because oftentimes that's how I find out what people are most attracted to. I want to give people what they want to see as far as my photography. So, a like means a lot. It's Absolutely. like a hug. Yes. And I hope my listeners do go and check it out because you have some amazing work out there. So thank you. Much appreciated. Thank you so much for tuning in to Connecting a Better World. And thank you, NOCO FM, for supporting this show. If you haven't heard, NOCO FM is dedicated to bring diverse voices and spotlighting a unique culture to Fort Collins and beyond. For more information, please visit www.noco.fm. If you connected to something in this episode, we would love to hear from you. Our contact info will be listed in the show notes, as well as you can reach us on our social media channels. Please feel free to share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. For more shows, please tune in to noco.fm online. This has been a production of NOCO-FM.